Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside, once again, my good friend from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia, as we are live on the locker room app. The chat room is starting to fill up. People are jumping in. They're going to be firing in their comments in the chat and also requesting to speak and come on the podcast for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And uh, we're going to have... A Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up here eh, later on in the episode, which I've already hinted who I might go there, but it's going to be a bit of fun. But, Justin, we're gearing up here as we're doing this locker room live game five between the Celtics and the Nets, the team that we're about to play here. I don't know how I could forget that team out of that duo. The Celtics and the Nets, we think this series is going to wrap up here, which would set us up for Bucks and Nets probably to start on the weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I thought we could start. What about the news? Joel Embiid. How worried are we about this situation with Joel Embiid in the Sixers? And clearly, I think given his history, if you're a Sixers fan, you're probably feeling a little bit anxious. But I think overall, as much as we've talked about matchups, as much as we've talked about everything else, health obviously is still just such a huge factor for these top-line teams. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried if anything, it's, uh, I'd be worried if I was a Sixers fan. It's just, um, you know, I I think once you saw, uh, knee, because we all assumed in watching it in real time, it was his tailbone and probably something similar to Steph Curry that he had Hmm. earlier in the year. But once you saw knee and anytime you see knee or back or anything in the leg with Joel Embiid, you have to be a little cautious with his injury history with both of those. And, I think, you know, this doesn't look like it's anything major, but even, you know, missing game five, if the Wizards win that game, which we all think there's a decent chance if Embiid isn't going to play, he, the Wizards can win that game. And if this thing gets extended <laughs> to six and it's going yeah. longer than you would have hoped for and frankly would have needed if you're Philadelphia, that's where it really gets interesting because you're putting unnecessary mileage on the rest of those guys for a series that really should have been done in four games. I guess the only case you could make is if the series extends to six games, I don't think anyone believes that the Wizards are actually going to beat Philadelphia, so maybe then that actually, in a weird way, gives Embiid more time before the second round. But again, I mean, they're looking like they're probably going to play the Atlanta Hawks, a team you think they can handle. But speaking of injuries, that's a good segue into what I wanted to talk about today. Yesterday on the show, and if anyone missed it, go back and check it out. We spoke a lot about Dante DiVincenzo and the impact we think that's going to have on this Bucks team. But the guy we didn't dive into too much, and what I wanted to do today was talk about the Nets side of this a little bit. Jeff Green, he's out at the moment uh, uh, with with foot, uh, the plantar. What, 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 is, is that the injury he's got? 
Plantar fasciitis. Oh, yeah. Plantar fasciitis, yep. yeah. So he's he's out with that. Now, he originally the timetable was he was going to miss 10 days. Uh, that is going to line up somewhere around where we think game one or game two is going to be, but then he's going to be reevaluated. So I guess the question I wanted to throw at you, do you think that it's more important for the Bucks losing Dante DiVincenzo or for the Nets losing Jeff Green? And, again, jump in the chat if you've got any thoughts on anything we're talking about or, or where we want to go. Justin Wills has already mentioned uh, defensive matchups. We'll touch on that a little bit later as well. Uh, oh, boy. So now you're asking me which one is, is more uh, vital. Um, yeah, yeah. If if Jeff Green is going to miss the entire series, because the, the only update we've had is he would be reevaluated in 10 days. So that's mm-hmm. going to put him out for, I would assume, the first two games, and then we'll see from there. But you know, as anybody that's dealt with plantar fascia can tell you, it's, it's, it will reevaluate you in 10 days. That doesn't give you a good feeling that he's going to be able to play in 11 days then. So it's, it's likely something that's going to continue to linger throughout the playoffs. So if he misses you know, the entire series, obviously, or even more than half of the series, then it's running closer to even in my mind, uh, just because he's really the only guy I can think of that you would feel not necessarily comfortable, but you wouldn't essentially just be punting the minutes when they're defending Giannis because we've seen Blake Griffin and how that would go. Uh, We talked about whether or not you would even play DeAndre Jordan just because it seems like the only games he's played in all season have been against the Bucs, but he has some obvious limitations. So when you have Jeff Green, he's the guy that I would assume would get the lion's share of those minutes. So if he's not out there, we saw Giannis feast on this team during the regular season, and now you're taking away another line of defense. That, to me, comes close to evening the playing field where the Bucs are without, as, as we talked about on yesterday's show, a pretty big piece in Dante DiVincenzo. That's a big piece defensively for the Nets. So this is where I think it's interesting because if you look at the three games that these teams played this year and just look at the minutes and, you know, it would be better if this was this was split up game by game because uh, I think we know that in each game there was players missing. Uh, Kyrie Irving missed the first game. James Harden missed the last two, which is clearly significant. But we, if you look specifically at DeAndre Jordan and the role that he played, this is where I think the Jeff Green loss is going to be interesting for the Nets. DeAndre Jordan really has not been playing for Brooklyn. And we know that he played major minutes against the Bucks. And across the three games, he averaged 26 minutes per game. Certainly in the last two games, we saw the way that he was defending Giannis. And we spoke a lot, or I spoke with Frank a lot in the previous series, that the Bucks were giving Bam DeAndre Drummond treatment on the Bucks defensive side of things. But DeAndre Jordan was giving... Giannis, the Andre Drummond defense in terms of what we've seen from him in the past, sagging way, way back. Now, Giannis went back and knocked down a few threes, but as has been pointed out in the chat room here by Anil Saw, he says, well, Giannis shot 6, 6% from three in the first round. So the question is, if Giannis isn't hitting four threes per game, which he did in those two games against the Nets uh, recently, DeAndre Jordan may be a guy that they want to use a lot in this series. Now, that might limit the impact that that you have by losing Jeff Green a little bit. But I think as a couple of people are pointing out in the chat here, if it's Blake Griffin on Giannis, and we've seen this right throughout this Boston series, uh, Brooklyn have been happy to switch. Anytime that they get a switch and Giannis is Blake Griffin in front of him, we, we know the only concern you ha- have is that Blake Griffin is going to try and hurt him because he seriously can't stop him any other way. And if you look at the season numbers against Brooklyn for Giannis, he's averaged 39.7 points. 10.7 rebounds and five assists 
Now, the interesting part of this is that he's got up 30 shots per game. We spoke a lot about him being a facilitator in game four, in particular against Miami. I think Brooklyn is a team that he's going to get his shots up, and I think it's a team that he could put up some massive numbers. Yeah, and that's kind of what we said coming into the playoffs of um, that first series against Miami. I wouldn't expect Giannis to put up big numbers in that series. And I, what did he even finish with? I think 21, a game that he averaged that I thought it would be right around 18 or so, but the, the way they were going to be most successful was Giannis is the facilitator and it's against the nets. It's going to be a completely different story for the lack of defense that they have. And especially the personnel, the lack of what they have to match up with him. This is a series where I would look to Giannis to be cl- scoring close to 30 or more during the duration of a six or seven, we hope uh, game series. And I just don't know what Brooklyn can do in terms of applying more wrinkles and doing things to slow down the Bucks on the defensive end that I think, you know, Brooklyn knows who they are. That as we've seen throughout the Celtics series, and granted it's not the same defensive matchups that the Bucks will have, but it's just going to be tough to slow them down. And we've talked about this all season long that you just have to concede the points that they're going to get, but make them work for it. So Brooklyn's approach is probably going to be the same in that the Bucs have been incredibly efficient offensively. They've been second only to the Nets throughout the entire season. So we're going to have to employ the same things where we understand Giannis is going to score a lot in this series, but we're going to be putting him, in, putting him at the line and making him score from there. And we hope Giannis is taking a lot of threes because you know, I saw the other comment in there as well of um, you know the Bucs' best guys. They didn't really have good shooting series against yeah. – the Heat, where Drew Holiday was around 20%, and Giannis, as we all know, was 6% that he shot on threes. It was Brent Forbes that really carried him. Um, but it, it's funny in the difference that a year makes, in two years, I guess, for that matter, in that you don't really have those same concerns where obviously it, it is important to have the secondary guys hitting shots because that's really the biggest thing the Bucks lacked in the playoffs the last two years. So Brent Forbes did that for a series, and Bobby Portis did that for the minutes that he was on the floor. So you still have to find those guys that do it. But with how we've seen the offense change this season, to me, it's not quite as vital that they have a hot shooting round or game in order for them to be successful because it's not so much three-point heavy anymore where you're kind of picking your spots and you're setting up specific shooters. And it's not just Brooke hanging way out on the three-point line behind the break there, and uh, Chris Middleton taking threes, that we've seen a lot more of the offense coming within the half court. And I think for as much as uh, I think I know I certainly pointed to it in, in that series against Miami, it seemed like at times, you know, it seems like there's opportunities for this team to just get out there and speed up the pace a little more and play in the fast break more. Maybe that was beneficial, that we saw them really slow things down and play to Miami's pace for at least half of those games because, you know, as we've all talked about, the importance of the half-court offense in the playoffs, it does feel like they're a lot more comfortable in that regard this year. And I don't know how much of that is specifically Drew Holiday versus the offensive changes, but it feels like they're more comfortable there than they have been in either of the previous two playoffs. And it, look, as, as much as we can point to defense, offense is going to be most important against Brooklyn. Because as we said, they're still going to score, so you got to do your best to match them. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh the Bucs have actually been in the top five for most of the year in terms of half-court offense, but I, I think that they were around there last year as well. The problem yeah, is you it's been the same the last two years. 
Yeah, the problem, as you pointed to, is the fact they haven't been able to hit threes. Now, we spoke about it after game one, and I questioned the fact, okay, these guys haven't hit threes. Let's see if they step up. You're right. It was Bryn Forbes. That was one of the free agent acquisitions they made. That is exactly what they needed. But I want to talk about something else with a wrinkle with this offense. Um, I'm going to get to our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week first. But Steve says in the chat, everyone is asking how the Bucks are going to stop the Nets. Nobody is asking how the Nets are going to stop the Bucks. I think that's a good point. I'm going to come back to that after the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. With Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week this week is Bryn Forbes. We just spoke about him. I had to go to Bryn Forbes. Now, against Brooklyn earlier in the season, he only averaged 10 points per game. But in the first-round playoff series against Miami, he was simply sensational. Bryn Forbes, 15 points, 48% from three on eight attempts per game. He basically doubled his volume from three. So we could have gone to a number of guys that could have got the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. But for this week, it's definitely Bryn Forbes. And remember, Michelob Ultra with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Bryn Forbes is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Today on Road to the Finals, which of course is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. If you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. The Bucs aren't playing right now, Justin, so we are forced to look ahead. And we had this conversation uh, after we stopped recording yesterday, and I know a lot of people are interested about this. When is game one going to be? Now, we know that the earliest game one can be is on Saturday. Uh, US time. I always get confused by this. So Sunday morning for me, okay, for those that are interested in, in how I'm feeling here. And that, as it currently stands, is scheduled to be potential game sevens between Phoenix and LA and also Denver and Denver and uh, Portland there. So what I'm trying to tell you is for Michelob Ultra, be aware that game one could again be an afternoon game, but uh, this is your daily weather report on Locked On Bucks Live here. I've got the Milwaukee weather up in front of me, and it's telling me that Saturday is 29 degrees Celsius, guys. Just don't don't start the panic. 29 degrees Celsius, which I believe is in the 80s. Oh, so, boy, the Deer District is going to be pumping. So uh, that's going to be fantastic there. But, Justin, what I wanted to get to. I think we saw two different versions of what the Bucks are going to be able to do offensively. And again, I keep saying this, but jump in the chat, uh, request to speak if you've got a question for either me and Justin as well. We'll get you on straight away. But I, I think if you go back to game one, we saw down the stretch a different version of what the Bucks were able to run offensively compared to what we saw in the, the games later on in the season. So later on in the season, Giannis was knocking down those threes. The Bucks were spacing the floor a little bit more. And Giannis then was finding his way into the paint. In the earlier game in the season, that wasn't exactly the case. And this number is completely off the top of my head. I think it was Zach Lowe that said this on his podcast months and months and months ago. Giannis set 36 ball screens in that game. And I think 36 was the number. And I believe his career high in a game before that was 21. Yeah. And if you can picture this, what, what we were seeing was DeAndre Jordan was dropping right back below the free throw line. So Giannis was like, okay, I'm going to dribble into that area. 
And we're we're just going to set screens for dribble handoffs for Chris Milton, and he's just going to knock down jump shot after jump shot after jump shot. And if Chris Milton doesn't want to do it, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's make it Drew Holiday. Oh, you want to go Brent Forbes? Sure, knock down some jump shots. And the Bucks, yes, they weren't shooting the threes, but what they were generating was wide open practice jump shots from the mid-range. So that is a counter if Giannis isn't knocking down those threes because it's my anticipation that, again, Brooklyn are going to play Giannis like we've seen before. It's nothing new. It's nothing surprising, but they're going to drop right off and say, come on, shoot your way out of this. Yeah, and uh, I remember, what, like the week of after that game on Martin Luther King Jr. Day when Zach Lowe put that piece out there and um, thinking kind of the same thing of, man, it seems like Giannis was used in that screen situation quite a bit. And, um, you know, in this week, and I'm sure you'll do the same, I I still haven't gone through and done it, but I'm I'm certainly going to rewatch all three of those games between these teams and uh, some of the the Brooklyn Boston series just to see you know other than the absurd offensive performances what we've seen from them defensively because as as we said a couple of minutes ago I just don't um, look I understand how good Brooklyn is and how much of a task it is going to be to slow them down offensively I just don't know what the adjustments are for them defensively I mean we know they're going to switch quite a bit and. I would assume if we do see DeAndre Jordan, it's going to be that same type of defense. But if you go back to the Heat series, it really seemed like when you watched game one, it was like um, going into your home and scaling the fence and going around the back and figuring out a way to get in through the back door. And then you get inside and whoever's in the house tells you, you know, the front door is open. You can just come in this way next time. And that's what the Bucks did for the next three games. If we didn't see a whole lot of that, we certainly didn't see – as much of Giannis in the as that uh, ball screener, and obviously the shooting wasn't there, and it seemed like the Bucks a light just went off of yeah. If we do this, that's going to open up everything. So uh, they're going to be able to get their offense, and even when you use DeAndre Jordan in that role, I feel much more confident with the shooters that they've put around Giannis, and most importantly, I feel more confident in Giannis in him as a decision maker. And the way that he's set up his teammates throughout the season and certainly did it in that series against the Heat, I just don't know what Brooklyn's going to be able to do to slow that down. Because I, I do think James Harden is a better defender than he gets credit for, and it's easy to, to poke fun at him and see all the memes that are out there. Um, and Kevin Durant, certainly his time in Oklahoma City and with the Golden State Warriors as well, was yeah, a excellent. very, very good, excellent defender and even a rim protector of sorts. But he's not that guy anymore, and we've seen him – really trimmed down because of the injuries that he suffered the last couple of years. So he's he's not that guy. And and especially if he's going to be in those matchups, it's the same for Giannis, where sure, it'd be great to put him on KD for most of the game, but you also want to be cognizant of foul trouble. You could say the same for Kevin Durant. So this is just going to be one of those weird series that we point to when you think about the playoffs and half-court offense and grind it out. And we're going to be pointed to two teams that we anticipate to be scoring around 120 points a game in each game this series. And it's just going to come down to, it's not a game full of stops. It's when you get those stops. And I think people that were optimistic about the Nets, even with the defensive shortcomings, that's what you would point to and say, well, in the playoffs, nobody gets stops on every possession outside of some stretches. We saw the Bucks do it against the Heat. It's just going to be those last five minutes. Can you come up with two stops? Because we know more often than not, you're not going to stop Brooklyn. So they're going to score on the other end. So can you get a couple of big stops late in the game? And it's going to be the same for the Bucks. but I think we all feel much more 
uh, comfortable and confident with the Bucks' defensive personnel than you would Brooklyn's. So just looking at the games that they've played so far this season and the point you made about the points, the point totals you're going to need, and, and look, they're going to have to score. We know that. But Anil Saw asked the question, what do you think we're going to be seeing? 120, 110, 135, 125. So if you go through the games so far this season, the Bucks beat the Nets 124, 118. The Bucks beat the Nets 117, 114. And then they lost 123 to 125. Now, the thing that stands out to me there is that you can talk about the Bucks' defense. And look, I, I think... We know that they've improved even in the last few weeks from those games, but the Nets put up 118, 114, and 125 with only two of their three big stars out there. So, look, you're going to have to score 120 to 130 to win. It's going to be highly entertaining basketball. I don't think you're going to see any of the, uh, you know, what, what do you call it, the the brutal, I don't know, 90s-style basketball that oh, we yeah, saw. Just, just the grind-it-out game. Rock and really, Rock yeah. fight was what I was looking for there. Oh, yeah, gosh, I don't see yeah. You're not going to see that against uh, against Brooklyn in this series. So, yeah, you're going to have to put up a whole bunch of points. And the one thing that I don't take much notice of is, you know, a game like the other night where Brooklyn beat Boston 141 to 126. And I saw uh, some people suggesting, well, if Brooklyn can put up 126 against uh, – if Boston can put up 126 yeah. against Brooklyn, I'm not buying that because if I'm watching this series, this is a Brooklyn team that just is just absolutely toying with the opposition. They don't care. Now, the question is, as we discussed on yesterday's show, with the game one being in Brooklyn, are the Nets able to ramp it up? Remember, they're not going to have the time off that the Bucs have had to prepare to get themselves ready. Sure, they know that they're playing the Bucs, but are they going to respect Milwaukee and are they going to show up in game one or can Milwaukee smack them in the mouth in that first game and really take uh, the, make the most of this opportunity they've got to come in and say, listen, we're on the road. We're going to beat your ass in game one and put all the pressure back on you. Yeah, because um, they win today and... Uh, as we said at the top, I know they released the potential dates of Saturday and Monday, but um, I I kind of feel like if they win today and close it out, if there's going to be game six, would that be seven, I think, on Saturday with the, the two series that also play tonight, yeah, I kind of feel like they're going to be playing on Sunday, and that'll be yeah. set up as the marquee matchup for the following day when you would you, you would reserve your game sevens. For Saturday, so then Brooklyn would have what four days off, and the Bucks will have had a full week plus off. But it, it's one of the things that we talked about going into the playoffs too, where it was one of the weird, you know, surprisingly as crazy as this sounds, I feel more confident this year than maybe we did the past because first and foremost, the Brooklyn Nets exist, where the Sixers were the one seed, but you have a Brooklyn team with three offensive players the caliber that they have in Harden and Irving and Durant and three surefire Hall of Famers there. And then, oh, by the way, there's the Bucks, who are the three seed. The, there's no pressure there, and the bullseye is off of them opposed to last year when uh, you were the one seed going into the bubble and you still had to take care of that in the bubble. And the year before that, you were the one seed and won 60 games. And, hey, are the Bucks really legit? And this was a conversation that a lot of people were forcing themselves to have. It's different this year where you're kind of in the background and anonymous right now up until that that uh, series they put together against the Heat. So I think that's going to be big, that there's no bullseye. The pressure is going to be on Brooklyn and the home court advantage thing too, which again, I know I was certainly guilty of this a couple of weeks ago saying, man, if you're going to play Brooklyn, I would just much rather have game seven at home than I would have to play that on the road. But if you're Brooklyn – and you've assembled this team to win the championship and have kind of said, look, 
this is going to be the new method of the NBA. We're, we're just going to piece together this team on the fly and we're putting in superstars. It's a lot of pressure to carry that torch, number one. But with the home court advantage, if you split or if you do the inconceivable and you lose both games at home, like we saw the Clippers do, I mean, that is an immense amount of pressure that is placed on Brooklyn now where I can't help but feel like the Bucks are going to be the looser team. And, and they've reached a point where they're, as crazy as it is to say, they're basically playing with house money in this series. Oh, just building the suspense nicely there, Justin. I do like it. Uh, before, and we've got a good question from Carlo when it comes to Brooke Lopez. And again, I'm going to keep saying it. If you want to jump on, request a speak and we'll get you on. But we're going to talk about Bill Barr first. Of course, you guys knew that it was coming. I got a tweet last night about Bill Barr asking me if I could eat a Bill Barr in the time it takes Giannis to shoot a free throw. Now, I, I think I probably could. Absolutely. I don't well, I, d- I don't necessarily think that that's a slight on Giannis as much as it is a probably um, gross uh, reveal into how quickly I ate. It's definitely a problem. It's definitely been a problem since I was young. But, hey, look, sometimes when you're hungry, you're hungry. You've got to eat, and it's hard to resist a built Bar. There is nine delicious flavors, as you guys know. And if you can't decide which flavor you want, then it's fine. Go get a mix box. You can get one, uh, two of each of the nine flavors, and then you'll be able to choose which one is your best. There's 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. Uh, so they're healthy for uh, you if that's what you're into. You want a healthy snack. They're covered in chocolate, so they taste good, but also healthy, so you don't have to feel bad about that. Just go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And then jump on to BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's NBA, MLB, NHL, UFC, MMA, whatever it is. You can find it all on BetOnline.ag. So before the next game starts, get on your laptop or your mobile device, download the app, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Just make sure you use the promo code Locked On for that. That's BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. So Luke in the chat brings up an interesting point here. He says the Bucks are currently 4-0 in the most recent sleeved Giannis era. Can the streak continue? I want to double up the streaks. We've got the Giannis sleeved era. We've also got the Motorola era. Yeah. Was, the, was the Motorola patch... Uh, was that game one of the playoffs or did they wear that in the regular season? It was uh, for the playoffs. There we go. So so also 4-0 and oh in the Motorola era, which, by the way, this second-round series is actually for the Motorola Cup. Brooklyn yeah. also uh, wearing the Motorola patch. So, you know, you can talk all you want about the Larry O'Brien trophy, but I would have to imagine the Motorola Cup is right up there as well in importance for both of these teams. Uh, Steve is about to jump on the line here, but uh, Noel says, how many built bars does Giannis have to eat to win the championship? Honestly, have a look at the size of that man. I I don't know how much he eats. Remember those stories back in the day that Thon Maker used to have like seven meals a day or something like that? And, you know, I mean, these guys work out so hard. And with the the amount that Giannis works out and the fact that he's a dad now, he's also looking after little Liam as well. He's got another kid on the way. So I, I, I don't even want to imagine how much Giannis eats. But I think that he might need he might need 50 mix boxes to get through a day, honestly. I, I honestly wouldn't put it past him. So, all right, let's see what Steve's got to say here, if I can uh, bring him in. Go ahead, Steve. 
So I've been thinking, um, the Nets have a gaping hole in the interior when it comes to stopping Giannis. I just do not see any answers whatsoever for him. And on the other hand, you know, the Nets have their big three and, you know, you can't really stop them, but the Bucks have personnel, you know, they have Drew, they have Giannis. Um, you could say the Nets have more firepower, but the Bucks have even more resistance. Um, am I just being a homer or is there something to that? Okay, Justin. So this is interesting because Carlo also asked uh, just before I went to the, the ad reads there, he said, if Brooke gets outplayed for an extended period, what lineup do you see us rolling out with the emphasis on defense? So to get back to Steve's point there, this is something that I'm at least thinking about and considering when you talk about what Giannis can do. So the reason that I th- that Brooklyn like DeAndre Jordan out there is obviously because he's a huge body. He's a, he's, a, he's a rim protector. He can stand in front of Giannis. So we know that Giannis has, has, at times, if you can throw huge bodies at him, multiple huge bodies, you can limit his impact. We've seen that in the past. That's why I think Brooklyn wants to play DeAndre Jordan. When you play DeAndre Jordan, that also allows the Bucks to play Brook Lopez 30 minutes a night because it's a perfect matchup. You don't have to worry about him out on the perimeter. So that also increases Brook Lopez's ability to play. So the question I have, and this is going to be really fascinating to see, and I'm not 100% sure whether this actually plays into Brooklyn's hands, so we'll wait and see. And again, I think this is where Jeff Green you know, would play, and this makes things interesting, is if the Bucks go small and play DeAndre Jordan off the floor, then it's like, okay, well, who's standing in front of Giannis? Because at least with DeAndre Jordan out there, you're like, okay... There's a huge body. He's not going to defend him on the perimeter. If Giannis isn't hitting those threes, it at least at least makes things interesting. So I think there's going to be an interesting back and forth here, whether the Bucks go small, whether they go big, whether they're concerned that if they go small, then Brooklyn just play Kevin Durant at the five, which we've seen a little bit in this Celtics series. So overall, it comes back to what I've been saying over the last couple of months here, that the Bucks lineup versatility is significantly superior to where it's ever been. If you think back to years gone by, last year, for instance, we spoke about Marvin Williams, but it was like, oh my goodness, what happens if Brook Lopez is played off the floor? It's not the case anymore. So I think yeah. that the Bucks have options. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I don't think he's being a homer that the Bucks are, are set up with two-way players. That Brooklyn yeah. certainly has the more skilled offensive players, but the Bucks have guys... Um, that you feel confident on both ends of the floor. And it's going to be interesting that for as much as we talked about yesterday, the the potential of DeAndre Jordan minutes. I mean, to me, part of me wonders if the Nets defense or part of their defense is, in fact, just saying, screw it, we're going to play small, and especially with no Jeff Green for at least uh, the beginning of that series. If they just say we're going to play small, and we know that means Giannis is getting whatever he wants, but – if Giannis is taking that, we'll live with it. It's the other guys that we're not going to let get open shots and um, you know heat up, especially Bryn Forbes types. And if they're taking Giannis dunks, fine. Take those instead of three-pointers and getting other guys going, that that's something we'll live with. And then it becomes the interesting uh, coaching battle between Steve Nash and, and Bud over who can force their style of will and who can get their style of play to fit first. If it's Brooklyn saying – we're going small and we're taking Brooke Lopez off the court. Or if it's the Bucks saying, even if you go small, we're going to do what we did against Miami and we're going to pound it into Brooke and we're yeah, going to get yeah. those points and points from Giannis as well. So that may decide the series of if that is in fact how Brooklyn decides to play it, 
who wins that battle? Can the Bucks win those minutes and take advantage there? Or does Brooklyn win those? And they're able to pull Brooke Lopez off the floor because even with, as, as we just outlined, the Bucks being much better set up to play different ways and to have the personnel to go smaller and say, Bobby Portis is going to play out there or Giannis and PJ Tucker at the five and the four, you would still much rather have Brooke Lopez out there because of his elite rim protection. And, and he had a great series against the heat. So even though they have those options, I would still rather their most ideal lineup is with Brooke Lopez on the floor to close things. So that's going to be interesting to see who wins that tug of war. Well, that's a good point you make uh, that the fact that the Bucks have really been mismatch hunting, which hasn't been the case uh, in, in years gone by. So I think if they do go small, then it's like, yeah, okay, fine. If you want to put Jeff Green on Brook Lopez, we're just going to throw the ball over the top to him all night long. And if you want to foul, you're going to have to foul him and send him to the line. So yeah, it's a good point you make here. We do have to wrap up this show here. Greg actually jumped in the chat a few minutes ago and he said, what are our plans for defending our half-court logo from Kyrie? I think it's a great point. And, you know, I mean, it would be quite offensive if there was anything done to that deer uh, during the games. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I actually read that. Until I read that out loud, I thought I literally thought that question was just, what are our plans for defending Kyrie? And as I was reading it, I realized that he was taking the piss a little bit there, which um, obviously I certainly appreciate. But we are going to talk more about specific matchups when it comes to the big three as the week goes on. Uh, as I mentioned, Jim Paschke on tomorrow's show, so make sure uh, you check that one out and listen there. And then we've got a crossover with the Nets guys, and then we're really uh, on the doorstep of game one. So, well, we think it's going to be a lot of fun, depending on what happens in this Boston-Brooklyn uh, game tonight. But, uh, well, let's, look, look, we've got a we've got a last-second chat here. I can't leave our friend Biento out here. He says, I'm hella late. I hate that I'm at work, but let me put my two cents in real quick before I dip. My prediction for the series is Bucks in five. I really don't think this series will last long at all. The 76ers are the series where we will go six and seven. What a way to finish it off. He's at work. He's feeling fired up about this series. <laughs> Have you got anything to say about that, Justin? Um, <laughs> look, I, um, I saw somebody else point out, and I can't remember who it was. I'm sure you saw the same thing. But the Brandon Jennings prophecy, it has only happened once. <laughs> In franchise history. And it was, I think, 1984 against the New Jersey Nets in the second round of the playoffs that the Bucks won in six. Yeah. That is the only time in, what, 53 years of existence that they have won a series in six games. I think it is going at least six. We hope it's going Bucks in six. Um, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I'm just going to say this. In watching Philadelphia and watching those minutes last night without Joel Embiid, I saw somebody else point out, oh, well, look at Philly's record without Embiid. That speaks to how valuable he is. And that is true. But to me, that also speaks to the team itself and the players around him. Because when you watch that game, even against the Wizards, you're the one seed. You still have to beat that team. And when you see this team without Joel Embiid, there is not a whole lot there that scares you, especially offensively, that... I feel like the Bucks have as good a chance as any team out there against the Brooklyn Nets. And if we end up getting a Bucks 76er series, again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I think we all feel much more confident in that series than we do in a potential Brooklyn series. Well, Felisa also says that she's feeling a winning series uh, here against the Nets. So that's pretty exciting. And Steve makes a good point. He says it has to be Bucks and six so they can close at home, which is interesting because I think if the Bucks were ever going to win a series, in six, it would only be right that they did it at home. 
And over the last couple of seasons, that hasn't been possible because they've had the home court. Uh, if you're in a situation to wrap up the series in six and you don't do it at home, oh, boy, that would be a devastating blow. But, but as we wrap this up, well, you might as well do it three times, you know? Let's do Bucks and six against the Nets. Let's do Bucks yeah. and six in the conference finals and then do it again in the NBA finals. Well, I think we'd all have to find somewhere else to talk online because Twitter would no longer exist because it would just absolutely combust with Bucks Twitter going off there. But remember, you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And also follow Locked On Bucks on the Odyssey app or wherever you get, you, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, I need to finish this coffee. Clearly, I can't talk anymore. Justin, uh, these Locked On Live episodes are always a hell of a lot of fun. We've seen some fire in the chat today. That's what we like to see. Bucks fans are starting to get a little bit fired up, and we've still got a few days here to uh to get ourselves excited for game one but i appreciate you as always and i appreciate everyone for jumping in here uh, spending their evening with us it's always a pleasure and thanks for everyone for uh getting involved like i said jim paschke tomorrow bucks nets crossover the day after assuming that they win and then we'll roll into game one so again appreciate all you guys stay safe over there enjoy the sun enjoy the beers and we'll catch you guys tomorrow